Okay, so I want to teach you about the story of Joseph. It's the planned reading for this uh, Sunday in the, in the church year. How many know the story of Joseph? Okay, I, more than just the coat of many colors, I hope. Okay, so anyway, it's a story of incredible forgiveness, and we read about incredible forgiveness in Psalm 103 earlier. But it has also a very valuable lesson for us. Very, very valuable. Genesis 50, verse 20. God can take a bad thing and use it for good. God promised Abraham that his descendants would bless the world. Same with Isaac, Abraham's son. Same with Jacob, Isaac's son. And you know the story, Jacob had 12 sons that would become the 12 tribes of Israel. Jacob's second youngest son was Joseph, whom he had in his old age. He was the favorite son of Jacob, and Jacob made him a coat, a very nice coat of many colors. And then on top of that, Joseph had a gift. He could interpret dreams. And Joseph had this dream that one day his brothers would bow down to him. His, mist his mistake was telling the dreams to his brothers, and they could take it no more. The jealousy was overwhelming and one day, out in the fields, they plotted to kill Joseph. They grabbed him, stripped him of his coat, threw him in a dried-up well. Instead of killing him, though, they sold him to travelers, hoping never to see him again. He was sold to an Egyptian official named Potiphar. Meanwhile, his brothers took the coat of many colors, dipped it in animal blood, took it back to Jacob. And so when Jacob gets the coat of many colors stained with blood, he takes the bait and he says it's Joseph's and he says, I will go to my grave in mourning and the brothers tiptoe away. They thought they got away with it. But meanwhile, God was with Joseph in Egypt. And he did well and was promoted to leave the whole household of Potiphar, still a slave. Potiphar's wife takes notice of the handsome and well-built Hebrew and insists he go to bed with her. Joseph refuses time and time again and avoids her. She gets hold of his coat and cries foul claiming to her husband that he tried to rape her, he's immediately thrown into the dungeon. It turns out there were two more prisoners brought in. One, the cupbearer of Pharaoh, and the other, the baker of Pharaoh. And they had dreams. And Joseph interpreted their dreams, saying to the baker, bad news, You'll lose your life in three days. To the cupbearer, to the king, good news, you're going to get your job back. 
Joseph said to the cupbearer, remember me when you get out of here. And the cupbearer didn't. And Joseph spent two more years in the dungeon. But God was with Joseph. God had plans for Joseph. Pharaoh has dreams that he can't interpret them. No one can. And he's really troubled. The cupbearer to the king overhears. And he says, wait, wait, I think I know someone that can help you. Joseph, a Hebrew, interpreted my dream. And so, Joseph is washed, shaved, dressed to go and see Pharaoh. Well, then fast forward, he interprets the dreams that there would be seven fat years of plenty, followed by seven years of famine throughout the land, throughout the region. And Egypt is going to need a plan in order to survive. And Pharaoh is so impressed with Joseph that he makes him the prime minister, governor of Egypt overnight. And Joseph is put in charge of preparing for the famine. And so they store, store, store up all their grain. Two years into the famine, everybody's feeling it all over the world. And back in Canaan as well. And Jacob hears that they have grain in Egypt, so he sends his sons down to buy some. Joseph, this is now 22 years later, recognizes his brothers, but they don't recognize him. Fast forward, Joseph has them come to his house to eat. They are nervous, they're terrified of the Egyptians, that they're going to kill them. They bow down and plead for mercy before Joseph. And Joseph knows now that his dream of 22 years ago is literally filled before his eyes. Then Joseph could no longer control himself, the Bible says. He asked everyone in the room to leave except his brothers. He asked them to come near and he said, I'm your brother, yes, whom you sold into slavery. And now do not be distressed. Do not be angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. God sent me before you to preserve you for a remnant on earth and to keep alive many survivors and then comes the bottom line. It was not you who sent me here, but God. The moral of the story, and I don't want you to forget this, God can and will use bad things to accomplish his will, even in your life. He is in charge. The bad thing that happened to Joseph ended up being part of God's bigger plan to save the children of Israel from annihilation and to keep the all-important promise of the Savior of the world coming through the offspring of Abraham, 
Isaac and Jacob and then Judah and all the way down the line until the Savior would be born, Jesus. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. This is a story of forgiveness and God's sovereignty is, of course, a foreshadow of what was to come. Good Friday, when God would send his one and only son into the world, have him put to death by crucifixion so that you and I, who believe, could have their sins forgiven and be given eternal life in paradise. The question for us, do you believe that God can use bad to do you good? No one wants bad things to happen to them, and we should never wish them on anyone. Truth is, they happen, and sometimes for reasons we can't explain. Regardless of what happens, we need to trust the God of our salvation. We need to never doubt his goodness towards us. And we need to look to the cross to be reminded of this. And that's what you're doing today and I hope every Sunday. And so our faith in the goodness of God is going to be tested once again for me and for you. I have been diagnosed with, very recently, with idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. It's a terminal, untreatable lung disease. It's not good. You can look it up when you get home. The good news is that God can take a bad thing and use it for good. Don't you ever forget that. But what this means is I need to get my things in order. I need to take care of my physical life. I need to get and stay as healthy as I can, if possible, to slow the disease down. In order for me to do that, I need to ask you a favor. I have never been good at balancing my call to be your pastor and my personal life and well-being. I have given you 30 years of my life, but I can no longer be your pastor. I won't be able to do the job and bear that kind of responsibility anymore. I am asking you to please release me from my call. Now, I know it's a call from God and he's in charge, but it is how you act towards me in the coming months that I am asking you to change. I can no longer be there for you as your pastor. I hate to say that. And that will be my burden to bear. I need to take care of myself and get as healthy as I possibly can so that if by God's grace and will, he grants me more time, and even when it is time, I could be in the future if I'm physically strong enough, yet also sick enough, there may be the possibility of a lung transplant, but that's way down the line. 
In the meantime, I'm feeling very taken care of. And I have to say, I feel kind of like Joseph. Joseph was the favored one. And when I look at my life and the blessings God has poured into my life, I am in a position to live out my days under the watchful care of my Heavenly Father. God has blessed me over and over the years with everything I could possibly need and then some. I could not be in a better place to deal with what is ahead of me. In my material needs, in my relationships, and the people he has placed in my life. So I couldn't be more blessed physically and I couldn't be more blessed spiritually. I have a strong faith, a hunger and thirst for his word, and of course, most important, an over, overwhelming sense of well-being and peace, knowing he is always with me. I have, over the years, gained incredible perspective from God's word and also from all of you. I have buried many of your loved ones. I have walked through the valley of the shadow of death with many of you. I am not afraid or worried, for my good shepherd is with me all the time. I am also grateful that I don't have to worry about you. You have a pastor, and Pastor Glenn is more than capable of taking care of you, and many of you already know that. I would ask that you fully trust his leadership and his guidance and his counsel and call on him when you need a pastor and confide in him as you have in me over the years. When I wrote the article in the annual report about change, I had no idea that this diagnosis was coming. I was talking about change for the church and encouraging a new outlook as we see a possible end to the pandemic. I had no idea part of that change would involve me stepping away from the ministry. Now, I'm not going anywhere soon, and I don't know what the immediate future will look for me. This is all brand new. My plan, though, is to retire, and I hate that word, somewhere around May 1st, because apparently I can without financial penalty, and I have to be a good steward of my resources. I will try to work as much as I can till then, but I have to put my health first, so I will probably be going to the wellness center a few times a week and adjust to some pretty potent med medicines and their side effects, filling out tons of paperwork, and support groups and tests and all that good stuff. We don't know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future. Knowing this will live above the world in all its sorrows. Mentally and emotionally, I'm fine. I'm going to be fine. I ask you, though, to continue to pray for me as you always have been. I know that. I have felt that for years. Pray that, God will, pray that God's will be done in my life. He absolutely knows what he's doing.
You can pray for healing if it be his will. We will be talking more about all this in the coming weeks. But for now, please, please, trust in the Lord who knows what he's doing and, to, and can take bad things and turn them into good. Things will be fine. Amen.